welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, my partners in it being the end of the world, Barnabas Piper and Ron Martin. Boys, I can't think of anybody that I want to spend an hour with on a Wednesday morning during the end of the world than you guys. And uh, I'm thankful because you're, you're both men of the cloth now. And I get to ask you all my eschatology questions um, in hopes that this is the end of the world. So I just I want something to feel hopeful about. And uh, to me, the most hopeful thing would be uh, it being the end of the world. Although uh, when the world does end, I hope I'm sipping a nice cup of Red Bud coffee, boys. Um, Red Bud. It's small. It's hipster. It's artisanal. It tastes great. Tastes great with cream and sugar or plain which is the way that I'm drinking it right now. Piper, how do people get Redbud Coffee Roasters coffee? So Redbud City Coffee Roasters. We were corrected. Apparently, there's That's another right. Redbud right. Coffee Roasters who is a rather small operation, but we don't want to step on any toes. So Redbud City. And yet, to confuse matters, it is Redbud... I think it's redbudcoffee.com. Let me double check that. But it should be Let's redbudcoffee.com. Yes, that's correct. And then you use the code HAPPYRAN at, check, uh, at checkout to get 10% off. So uh, I just finished a full pot of their, I think it's a Brazilian. And it is, uh, it's delicious. It's yeah. So I'm fully caffeinated and happy because I drank that. And, you know, it brings a little well, smile to my face in the midst of the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, you're miserable, but as as happy as you can be in that. And the good thing about Redbud, too, is that, to my knowledge, nobody's thrown a brick through their window yet. So they got that going for them. Uh, they make great coffee, and uh, and you should drink it. Um, well, we'll talk about the other thing at the end, if I remember it. Um, but <laughs> if I remember it. If I remember we lo- it. We love I our care. sponsors so much. Oh, we do. We love them. You know, the partnerships are rich. Even though business is basically over two in America, um, you know we're going to keep we're going to keep promoting those sponsors right up until the bitter ends. And um, I don't know where we want to start with this, boys. I, I texted you the other day, you both, and um, I'm leaning very hard into my Enneagram Four right now in the sense that I just feel completely hopeless and despairing. So I don't know how helpful I'll be this morning. Um, I just feel sad, man. I feel I feel sad for the state of everything as, as I'm sure you guys do too at some level. So, um, let's just get into it. We can talk about, um, you know, there are a few things that, that flew around the power of images and how, uh, we don't trust anything anymore because it's hard to do love in the age of PR. Um, you know, so, so let's just start here. All these statements and images are flying around and it's like, you know, wow, Bed Bath and Beyond is saddened by the events that you know, and you're you're getting all these prepared statements, and but hey, shower curtains are fifteen percent off, you know, and um, I, I don't know, I just don't know what to think of it. It makes me cynical and it makes me sad, and um, I don't know, Piper, start us off. Yeah, I cynical and sad is uh, are are two two words that I could easily use to describe kind of how I feel about at least the coverage of things. Um, I don't, I'm not cynical about the, the state of America in that sense. I'm much more just, just kind of heartbroken and with a modicum of hope that be, this seems different than past, uh, past times of unrest. And I hope that it brings about a genuine change or, or at least kick something off that it has, it has that to it. 
Uh, That's so, interesting. I want to I want to lean into that for a second, if you don't mind. I yeah. realize I just interrupted you four seconds into your thing. No, that's good. Um, you you said the word hopeful, and it it piqued my interest. I want to feel better. So, <laughs> I'm unfamiliar with this. What is this word? I'm you unfamiliar speak? with this feeling. So what what is it about this time of unrest that feels more hopeful or a little bit different to you? Um, it's as time goes. Well, first of all, it it is not the 72 hour news cycle. You know, normally things rise and fall really quickly and they just disappear. Um, And that hasn't happened. So we're recording this uh, eight days after the video was released of George Floyd's murder. Um, And there are, and protests are increasing. Um, And, and they're, they're worldwide. I saw footage yesterday of, tens of thousands of people in, I think, Amsterdam, and I know that they've been in New Zealand and Australia and various other countries around the world. So there's there's something going on that seems to have sparked. It seems to have tipped. So instead mm-hmm. of it being something that rises and, and emotion rises for those who are closest to the situation and then gets sort of suppressed by those who don't care, uh, mm-hmm. it seems to have tipped into the the public consciousness. The other thing is seeing the, the type of people who are commenting, uh, protesting. And when I say protesting, I don't mean rioting. I think those are two different sure, things. Sure, sure. Um, mm-hmm. so, but, but the demonstrating, let's say, and, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of people doing that who never would have gotten in their car and driven to a downtown area to gather at mm. three o'clock on a, you know, Saturday afternoon in Nashville or whatever. I mean, it's all over the country. And, yeah. you know, it, social media is hard to trust. That's kind of going back to the cynical side of things. Yeah. Because you just don't know. But I just, I see people, and I see, the, I see, I see people who are, um, who have been very silent, probably mm-hmm. out of discomfort, not knowing what to say, not knowing how to say it, who are, sure. who are being tipped into now's the time. Like I, I feel compelled to. And maybe that's strength in numbers, maybe looking around and going, everybody else is, so it's okay for me to, which is yeah. a disappointing reason, but it's still mm-hmm. better than nothing. Um, yeah. So that's why I say I, I hope. And the other thing is, I think the more footage gets out there of the way certain police departments, this is not a blanket statement against police, but I feel like I have to mm-hmm. caveat the mess out of everything. Um why? Because you're a person who's alive right now? Uh, yeah, and I'm a white dude. Um, uh, yeah. But, well, also because everything is politically charged. But it, the way that so many police departments are mishandling these situations, uh, mm-hmm. are escalating situations, are creating or instigating violence. So what began as a demonstration becomes a riot because of unnecessary mm-hmm. police force. Um, and it's contrasted against those police who, who create place, who create spaces for legal, public, rightful demonstrations. I think the more footage gets out there of the police mishandling things, the more it it leads me to believe change could happen, because it's just so obvious that there is a problem, that there is yeah. that there's a di- <clears throat> there's a divide sure. that between good policing, bad policing between black and white between that, 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 and and so I'm not, I'm not falsely hopeful in that this is going to change America forever, but you know, maybe in the same way that the civil rights movement did where it went from no rights to some rights, we see Mm -hmm. a chapter two of that where it goes from, you know, 
heavily weighted towards injustice to a more equitable system over time. I mean, that, that would be the hope anyway. Yeah. Ronald, pastor. Yes. Man of the cloth. Yes. Give me, give me some reason to hope that this is the end of the world. <laughs> Talk me saying, into that. Sell are you me saying on. you are, you're, you would like to ask me an eschatology question right now, Big T? Baby, I would like nothing more than to ask you a little to talk a little little eschaton, man. Maybe we're changing the whole like focus of this podcast moving forward. I think we should just make the happy rant like an end times podcast. <laughs> hey, listen, from a commercial standpoint, it really worked for Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins. I'm just big. saying. It was a big those, moment. We let them have it and they yeah, had it. And they did have it. it. Also, Ted, that would be your chance to write a terrible novel similar to the gentleman you just mentioned. I would do it too. I would absolutely. If do you got it. paid if, like they did, go for oh, it. Oh, absolutely. If the <laughs> if the numbers were right, I'm I'm there, man. I'm writing the terrible novel. Those guys are writing out the end of the world on their private islands. I'm sure. Um, actually, one of them one of them's no longer with us, right? I don't I don't want to be insensitive, but uh, gosh, know. I'm the worst. Ronald, tell us about the end of the world. <laughs> to be fair, neither of us can correct pivot, this. I think we're also quickly. the worst. Yeah, yeah, let's pivot. That's a that's an elegant pivot out of you that. You know what's so funny, man, is I'm the embarrassingly enough, man, I'm the least eschatology pastor maybe in the the entire universe. Well, dude, so, it's kind of on brand for reform guys to kind of not give a crap about. Yeah, it is, man. But I mean, if for for whatever way it's not on brand, I'm even not on that not brand. I mean, it's like don't that's even. I can't, you know, I didn't even. I don't even know. Yeah, it's so bad for me. I'm so unstudied in that particular you know, doctrine, but gosh, I, you know, please tell me, please tell me that this, I want you to convince me that this is the end of the world. Oh, or I'm going to give you another option. You can talk about how this is hitting you as a, as an Enneagram four, because we need to make this all about ourselves, obviously. (laughs) So so if we, if we can't talk theology, let's talk about ourselves. Let's talk about the Enneagram. Well, for reform guys, talking about yourself and theology is one and the same. That's basically um, it, man. That's what the Enneagram has done. It's built a nice bridge between my favorite topic, me, and theology, my second favorite topic. I mean, not for me, but like football and cheers are probably my two favorite topics. But Football yeah. and cheers, interesting. That's, Nevertheless, that's yeah. What, what an intellectual. Oh, yeah, dude. Such an intellectual. <laughs> you know, Come to me for deep conversation. I'm here for it. Um, all right, Ronald, into the world. Why are we in it? Um, yeah, I don't know. I never believe we're in it. I never believe it's the end of the world ever. Um, I'm one of those guys. I don't know what that makes me post trib. I maybe here's, here's why I believe we're in it. I guess. Let me, let me lean into this. I never buy, I never buy the hype about, I never buy end of the world hype ever because I feel like you can always find markers in history where where we are experiencing exactly what people in the past have experienced. So I'm, well, I think I, you're right about that. Dude. Well, I might be a little cynical when it comes to end of the world hype. That's my yeah. problem. I'm a little more probably like you, but in the flip on this one, big T, okay. you know, where you have that typical sort of suspicion and yeah. cynicism that kind of goes out on things when things are being a little too overhyped. I'm yeah. super sensitive to the, uh, the end of the world overhype because I grew up in a church where literally every ah. week, Jesus was coming back that night after the service. So, oh, dude, I, fascinating. Yeah, okay. That that so has to, a lot of context. I had to really yeah. sort of I really pulled back from that and I obviously I took like 97 leaps too far the other way. That's where I'm at right now. And I got to yeah. I got to I got to have Jesus bring me back to the center on that whole thing, but it's going to be a process. Yeah, no, no doubt. I think the reason I think it's the end of the world is um 
I don't know. And, and obviously my read on this is wrong because I'm not God. Um, Thanks for reminding us. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, I just feel like that's a, that's a thing just to make crystal clear, probably at the beginning of every show, you know, unless not God? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not everybody knows because there's going to be some spoiler alert. Be some mistakes made. Yeah, exactly. Dude, you know what I've learned in my radio career is you can't be explicit enough about that. You know what I mean? Um, I just I don't see any hope for. I feel like the human heart is at the lowest ebb it's ever been in, in certainly in my lifetime. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't know as as I look at this whole thing, and where we're at, I just see. I don't see any upside for the human experience, which thank God I'm not God, right? I would have ended this thing a long time ago, but, um, you know, so I, I, I'm, I'm glad we have a, a Lord who's sovereign, who has a, who has a plan for all this, but, um, in my own limited human economy, like I just, I don't see, I don't see us getting any better, which is why I need to hear from people like Piper, you know, it, it helps, to hear some perspective that, yeah, maybe this is a little better than the last one or whatever, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. But, but in that, you know, just a little, a little storytelling, I guess when every, when everything was going down the other day and I was, I was the most despairing I've, I've been through it. Probably. I was just like listening to hymns and feeling sad. Um, just getting all the texts and all the emails from black students, athletes, friends at union, you know, it really helped. And it really did make me feel hopeful because they were like, nobody was yelling and screaming. It was all like, let's, let's problem solve, you know, let's, let's try to find answers. Let's try to move the dialogue forward on campus. And it was really emboldening and enlivening and it was good. But I guess that's sort of the the narrow angle of, of my own life. But when I widen out and look at you know, social media or traditional media or the culture. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, what a toilet. You know, this is, I don't see any upside. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, um, that's where I think our theology, it really, it really comes to bear. Right. I think in yeah. these times, I mean, I know we joke around a lot about reform theology and just that no, no, sort of the, the, into it. yeah, just the exaggerated tendencies that are, yeah. you know, kind of lean into the ridiculous and all of that mm-hmm. because they do like anything else. Sure. But I think just, I think this is where our theology really comes to bear. And I think it's so helpful. I think it's so hopeful um, in the sense that, you know, even just pivoting on what Pipe said a few minutes ago, you know, there. There is a conversation happening that wasn't happening before. There is a generation now that is um, aware of things. There is an awareness, I think, that has surfaced that was lacking. Um, certainly um, in my generation, uh, certainly in the generation before my generation, maybe even you know more you know more greatly, if that's a, a, a proper phrase. And I think um, I think there I think in in that even just looking at the conversations that are happening. If you can, I think if you can sort of carve um, a path up the middle and you can cut out some of the chaos and some of the noise and you can sort of put a, a measure of understanding and compassion and silence to be able to listen to what's being said by the people that are suffering, you know, the most grief and have been for for so many years I think that in and of itself to me is is something that gives us like just a great amount of hope thinking that, well, hey, we're still in the middle of this mess. There is an opportunity for these things to change and to be received differently for our kids than they were for us. So how I think of it is that our kids 
aren't going to have to unlearn as many things as our parents did and as we are currently. And they're going to be entering into something where obviously there is still just a vast amount of brokenness, but there's also a level of knowledge and self-awareness and historical perspective that is accurate rather than revisionistic. And plus, we do have a God that is on the throne that is going to be working and weaving through all of these things in the hearts of the people that are rising up with perspectives and with solutions that are going to be massively helpful um, for us, not even today, but down the road. And I I think there is there's a lot of hope in that if we just settle into what's happening right now in the moment, it feels like despair. But I think if we can back away, we can remember Jesus um, I think that there is um, just a lot of um, optimism in the air. And so I don't know, that that's how I'm wow. trying to think of it. And I'm not doing very well at thinking yeah. through it like that. So I'm talking right now. It's much easier to put those kind of thoughts into practice. But I have, you know, so for example, so my daughter lives in uh, Denver and she's, she's very politically uh, minded and motivated. And, you know, she sent us a video. She was take, one of the early- Take you in that way. Yeah, exactly. She's not like me at all in that way. Ship off the old block, the old it's activist. A, well, she's an, she is an Enneagram four, so she has this she has this weirdo like artistic, you know, ness to her. So she's almost like artistic in how she is politically minded and motivated. So it's it's a it's a weirdo, you know, configuration Judas, there. But, so you you and you and the kid were both fours. Yeah, you, it's it's yeah. You your do wife it that deserves way. She, she, yeah, your, your wife had a, she had her hands full. What's, she's had what's, a rough, she's had a rough run. But, uh, Judas, H. Priest. What's, what's Big, Big M's uh, Enneagram? She's a five. And oh, right. Beth's a four, five. So Beth has a lot of five in her as well. So she's, you know, cerebral processes. Oh, yeah. So anyway, my, my point was that she was, she was at one of the, she was at like one of the first rallies in Denver. And it was just so interesting because a video kind of popped up and it had her and her friend just sitting on their bikes, holding up signs. And at some point, this big like police, this barrage of police officers came against them and just pushed against them and they fell and they went tumbling on the ground. Mm. And that's a surreal moment, you know, as a parent, as a dad, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to see your kid like in that kind of a vulnerable situation Again, with, you know, we're talking about police officers. I don't, you know, I don't want to have to do all the qualification. I'll just take my qualifications from pipe. But just in the sense that, you know, doing something that's part of our, you know, uh, American, uh, you know, uh, you know, right to protest. um, And then seeing these people come at you, um, people that you typically have grown up thinking are the ones that will protect you and serve you and have them come against you physically and and violently in, in a sense Man, that that puts us all in a really like vulnerable place, especially if you're seeing somebody that that's happening to in real time that you love. Of course, in my case, that would be my daughter. And yet here's my point. Um, She has she 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 received that. She didn't let it sort of like, you know, move her into isolation. But she was back out the next night and she moved a little bit further back you know, on the, on, you know, on the protest line, you know, to, to be safe. And she's done this amazing thing out of, again, hopefulness and optimism where she has set up this table now, her and her friends that has all kinds of things to help protesters, whether it's, you know, waters and snacks and solution for their eyes that they get sprayed with pepper spray. And she's done this thing where they've raised like literally like hundreds of dollars of just donations and all kinds of like products to help all of the protesters. And so 
there, there's a, there's a different there's a different kind of spirit in the air, even with somebody that could choose to be cynical, like my daughter. And she said, "I just refuse to do that. I want to continue to get out there and help, even though it's a risk. I see that this is doing some good, and I see that this is like just one tiny sliver of a way to help with the overall hopefulness that she is hoping." continues to sort of permeate the air, if that makes any sense. And one, one thing you said, Ronnie, that, that jumps out at me is, you know, you talked about the, the sort of surreal realization of, of kind of seeing someone you love or care about <clears throat> in this position of being vulnerable in the face of people who we grew up thinking were, you know, these were the protectors. And, yes. and what, what I, what stood out to me about that was, I think one of the biggest changes that is coming for a lot of people, white people specifically in this, is the realization of how so many black people have been forced to view the police for their entire lives. Yes. And so when when we see police unnecessarily tear gassing, shooting rubber bullets, I mean, my hometown was, is basically under martial law at various parts, yes. uh, or it has been in the past week. And it's... It's terrible. It is such a terrible way to handle it. Now, once things get out of hand, it has to be handled that way to a point, but it got out of hand because of mishandling in a lot of ways. And so you see that and you go, my resentment toward the police's handling of, of that is and like my fear in the face of somebody who who looks like a a cyber soldier from the future because mm -hmm. he's just decked out in body armor and weapons and shields and all of this craziness uh is is a hint of what my black next door neighbor growing up thought every time the police just parked in front of one of our houses to Absolutely. do paperwork or whatever and whereas my upbringing was a positivity towards the police. And so it, it, it really, I think that perspective changed. I think what makes me fearful. So again, sort of the seesaw of hope and cynicism is that it's going to pivot to, we all hate the police mm -hmm. and going from, we think positively to, we hate is just flipping the coin. So instead of, instead of progress, it's just, it's just deconstruction. Yeah, um, I think and, um, and that that concerns yeah. me because, for example, Nashville had a big budget meeting yesterday, and apparently there was just hours and hours and hours of calls from citizens calling to defund the police. Yeah, which I'm like, we we can't have a society with no police. That's idealistic and, you know, nonsense. It is. And we're not going to. And that's something that I mean, we can. I think what we're finding out right now is that and, and maybe finding out is glib, but we're realizing. Yeah. Maybe those of us who are in the position we're in that the that, you know, the the police is a, it's a broken system. It's yeah. been a broken system for a long time. And so there definitely needs to be reform within that system. And because anytime we encounter a broken system in need of reform, it always does conjure up fear for what is going to happen until that happens. Right. So I think, Pipe, it's not necessarily cynicism. I think those are valid fears and concerns. It's the same fears and concerns my daughter has. Although, given her age, she's young, she's in her early 20s, it's going to lean a little bit more into cynicism because she just doesn't see that there's a way out of this. And maybe it won't be until later in her lifetime that we see some of those reforms 
being made. But I think the fear is valid. It has to be valid when you are looking at what is happening and the way people are being harmed when they are just, you know, living out their, you know, their right to protest. Um, and, and again, I think, yeah, and, and that's really what struck me is our experience with the police as, you know, middle class white dudes. Um, and we're outraged that, you know, we see, you know, my wife is, is watching this woman who's about her size, five feet tall, you know, a, you know, not, you know, just a just someone standing, holding a sign, you know, in the video of, a, of an officer just coming up to her and spraying her in the face with tear gas for no reason or pepper spray. And it. It, and it kind of makes you realize, well, wait a minute, like, how can this be? You know, I'm a middle aged white woman. Why are the police treating me this way? These are the men I could always trust, the men and women I could always rely on to walk with me. And then what you just said is so true, Piper. But this has been the African-American experience for years, forever. Yeah. And now we get to finally experience that. And so on one hand, it's shocking and it's horrible. But is it not like allowing us to finally have some level of understanding, I think that would be the good takeaway from it, possibly. I'm talking a lot, boys. I'm sorry, I'm getting preachy, and I'm so I don't want to do that. Nah, but, dude, we don't um, we don't get preachy run on the podcast too often, so it's a uh, it's a it's a change of pace. There it is, preachy run. That'll be yeah, the title. You, you didn't say good. You just said change of pace. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah well, no, exactly. I, I thought what you, I thought what you said was good. It would not it would not be good normal. if it was every podcast because that's not what people come for. But no, I think. But here's the thing. I think in it. There is no way to be glib about what is happening right now. Like the fact that we chose to talk about this, we we can poke fun at some at this and that, and, and you know, I have lots of jokes I could make about faux woke white people and all sorts of things. But <clears throat> but we're talking about people's lives, and and we're talking about hometowns being destroyed, and we're talking. I mean. It, it's it's not really something that you can that we can be as pithy as as normal, and so yeah, I think I I don't feel like you're preaching. I just feel like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of thought, reaction, feeling, passion yeah. that goes into it. Not to mention you probably had to deal with and respond to a whole lot of questions from people in your church who are trying to sort through all this mess too. Yeah, and I think one of the, you know, that brings up another thing, and I, I, Big T, I'd like to hear you kind of comment on this. Um, you know, we're in this, you know, we're very much in like a bubble of a town, right? So, um, you know, s small, mid-sized, I mean, T, you know the town. Mm -hmm. So very, you know, they, they feel there, there's a, there is a, there's a grief, I think, that's permeating the country right now, for sure. There's a shock. There's a, I don't know what to think. Um, but there's also sort of this um, there's, there's a little bit of apathy, I would say, in our town, a little bit of all that stuff happens out there. It doesn't happen here. And we are untouched by it. Therefore, um, we either think wrongly about it or we kind of ride this middle line through it where we just don't care that much about it at all. And I think that's that's to me is the greater challenge. It's one thing to have polarizing opinions because that's something to address um, and, and you have some ammunition to address that with, right? Poor choice of words, I'm guessing. Um, but the uh, the uh, th that sort of that weird ambivalent m line through the middle, I, I always find that that's incredibly hard to address. You know what I'm saying? Well, and and I think in a modern context, regardless of the issue, okay, the issue could be when baseball comes back, or you know what you think of Game of Thrones or whatever. Like you, you're just you're not allowed to be ambivalent about anything. And I, and I think I, I dare say one of the great charms of the Midwest was that 
these were people who by and large were ambivalent about a lot of things and they just wanted to work and do their jobs and go home at night. And honestly, so I live in a pretty diverse area in the sense that, so we're in a, we're in a small town that's probably half and half black and white. And I find the same thing here, Ron, like, um, the dialogues have been really good with, with black friends, but they're, they're not, there's no, there's no sense that for me, I'm under any sort of pressure to feel a certain type of way from real people in my real life. All the pressure comes from media, you know what I mean? And, and all of the, all the kind of finagling and persona work comes from, you know, electronic mediums, but the, 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 the talks with real people have been phenomenal. In fact, it's the talks with real people that keep me feeling like this isn't the end of the world. Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so thank God for that. Right. And, you know, so I think in Ashland, yeah, there's going to be this sense of because it's 2020, because even though I'm a farmer in rural Ohio, I'm still on the Internet all the time. Like every person, you know, there, there's a sense of I'm supposed to say certain things or feel a certain way. And but it, but if I say something, it's going to get deconstructed and ripped apart. Like it's it's got to be really confusing for an Ashland resident who maybe doesn't have anybody to talk to in real life about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or somebody whose who's perspective that they can get in real life. Um, so it's, it's one of the great strengths and great weaknesses of America is that, you know, as, as you drive across the country, you have these different cultural pockets, right? And central Ohio doesn't feel the same as, you know, a big city on the East coast and vice versa. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's a, not to put it too too much of a Jesus juke spin on it, but I, I think it's a great moment for pastors. You know, mm-hmm. I, I do think given the fact that you've lived different places and you've experienced a little different way of life, like you can probably speak to this in a little different way than what they would normally get. That being said, Ashland is a college town and, you know, Piper mentioned fake woke white people. I mean, were it not for that people group, we wouldn't even have colleges, right? Like the, <laughs> yeah. the college business would it would, go, it would all be HBCUs. Uh, yeah, co- the college would go under as a business without fake woke white people. So you've probably got some of that in your town too. In your town too, Ron. So yeah, I don't know, man. Um, mm. I, I don't know. I I think somebody mentioned this before. I think it might have been Piper, but no, it was you, Ronald. Hmm. You mentioned the value of quietness and listening mm-hmm. I, I guess i'd like to see more of that like mm-hmm. i think nobody's quiet ever anymore so um we lead with talking and we end with talking and in the middle is more talking and um i, I don't know I, and I think, we podcast when we're bored well, yeah i think i think the best conversations though have been the quiet ones the private ones for me yeah um you know and that's been that's been life-giving and i'm i'm so grateful for what? it every student you know, who's called or texted at the risk of stating the profoundly obvious, uh, private conversations are rarely as contentious as internet ones. Mm -hmm. And other people can't jump in and throw in their garbage two cents worth to, to muddy the waters. Um, it, it, I've had some really, really good conversations offline with people who I've also seen, you know, kind of, napalm the world online and yeah. 
there's just so much value in sitting in a living room or sitting at a restaurant. I don't know if we're allowed to go to restaurants these days. Sitting wherever it is we sit and just talking face-to-face where you can hear tone of voice. You can you can hear somebody out in their entirety. You can respond with nuance, none of which exists on the internet. Um, and and this is coming from somebody who I, I'm as I'm more active on social media than either of you, I think. And, and I, I really value it, but the parameters of how it's valuable are pretty limited. And, and even social media is only as valuable as the listening you do. Like the value of Twitter to me is, is not primarily what I get to say. It is who I get to hear from. It's where I find mm. the best news sources. It's where I find the most thoughtful voices. It's where I find links to stuff that are worth spending time with, uh, you know, reading, listening, watching, those kinds of things. And, and so listening is, is more valuable online than ever, too. It's just harder to do because it's so chaotic. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Man, you mentioned something interesting, Pipe. Um, remember COVID? That's, nope. that's done now, right? <laughs> or, or we're all going to die, which brings us back thing to over? the end of the world. Yeah. Like, seriously, I feel like that's, I don't know, it's over. Yeah, it's not as, uh, we've, we've lost some hype on that one, haven't we? Yeah, man, the, the COVID hype train is, that's, uh, that's not. I a- mean, we, you know, we, so we announced, you know, kind of gathering back on Sundays last night to all of our leaders and our plans and all that. And it was like, it felt really strange, to be honest, boys, because we were it was all related to COVID, you know, and yet we have all of this other stuff going on. So it was a it was almost like we've had these few days where we've kind of bounced out of COVID and then I bounced back into it last night. And it just felt really um, I don't know what the word the right word is. So I'll just say the wrong word. But it felt like it felt like a lot less important in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah, it, um, feels, it, well, it feels so much less real. Right, exactly. You know, I, we, we've had, you know, we, we reopened last Sunday with sort of limited services and limited seating and stuff and pretty light attendance relatively, you know, relative to the whole congregation. But yeah, at hearing the occasional concern from people at the church feels twilight zone-ish as compared to this sort of raging fire of, of, a, of societal unrest on the other side. And, and yet, you know, a hundred thousand people. Apparently, I don't know how these these numbers are calculated, but 100,000 mm-hmm. people have died from this thing in the United States. So it's <laughs> in one sense, it's profoundly uh, it profoundly more a threat or, or, or something to be aware of. And yet it also just kind of feels like a shrug right now. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Well said. Well, good job, boys. <laughs> <laughs> there, did, we fix we did we fix everything we fixed everything fixed? it's all fixed it's 35 minutes later it's groans up and it's groans up and it's groans up and God, it's why old. didn't we do this earlier we would have uh yeah, we could have no. solved america Let's get this uh, you know what solving america is what the rant does i think we do that every week pipe you know? solving america one oh, episode there, at a time. there goes a podcast title solving title. america Sol- okay I love it. I love it. That's how we hey, tell boys. what we're calling it before they actually hear it. While we're solving America, you can solve your church communication problems wow. with communion. Here it comes. Yeah. Communion is a, it's an application uh, for iOS products, Android products, and the web. Uh, it allows your church to communicate, delivering much the same functionality as Facebook without having to bow the knee to the corporate devil of Facebook. Um, you can private message. You can group message. 
Um, you can use it for small groups. You can use it for sharing news, having prayer requests uh, across your entire church body. Um, it's called communion. I gave a link last time and I've forgotten what it is. This is bad radio boys. Um, you know, listen to an old episode or just Google communion church communication app. Uh, there's a scalable pricing structure for big churches, mid-sized churches and small churches. Uh, there's a pricing structure for hipster churches too. Um, depending on the amount of shiplap that you have in your building. Mm. Um, I know, which is, which is really, that was sweet of them for you, Ronald, because I feel like they took you into account when they, uh, when they came up with yeah, that. Yeah, that was nice. That was, that was kind. Did they yeah. take yeah, patchouli as payment? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They take patchouli. They take gluten-free baked goods um, as payment as well. So uh, check it out. Check out Communion. Um, boys, are we, are we wrapping this thing up? It feels a little perfunctory, but yet I don't know that there's anything more to say. Yeah, um, g- given our... our, uh, our- knack for graceful pivots i don't know that we can i don't even think we can pull off a pivot to anything else at this point yeah no um and and look i mean what what else is there to say probably nothing but uh yeah, we just gave the last word on all this it's done yeah yeah, yeah. exactly there i'm we go. exhausted i preached a sermon boy so i gotta go take a nap baby you know what i'm worried about yeah you did man you you just went for <laughs> that was like a real sermon um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you there's going to be there's going to be no Yoda tweets today, man. All the oh, all no. the brain power went into that. No, man. there is. I need you to transcribe this and send it to me so I can tweet out some. some... Ba- baby, I bet this whole thing has hurt your Yoda game, man. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that's I, appropriate. You know, you know I mean, you can... uh, yeah, I need to black out the Yoda game for a little while. You it know, cast it in a different light, you know, for sure. um, yeah. baby, you know what I'm concerned about is our. Uh, are, are the English game episode, you know, when's it going to be appropriate to drop that? I know? don't know. That's a good, I'll, we'll leave that into the skillful, artful, yep. wise mind of uh, Barnabas pipe, man. You got I mean, in these, in these times of great unrest, when do you drop your episode about a British television show? You know, maybe uh, it's the time to do it. I, right? I think, I think that one will release before listeners hear this one, because, uh, you know, levity, enjoyment, et cetera, are appropriate. You, you can't live in 100% intensity all the time. Yeah. Folks can remember what it sounded like when Ron and Ted were in a good mood that one time. <laughs> um, it'll, be a, it'll be a fabulous experience. Who are Much- the people that live in 100% intensity? Let's talk. Maybe we can pivot into that and then we'll end. Who oh, would dude, you say I know if, you think of, if you can think of one person who would be the one person, like, you know, kind of currently within our you know, within our tribal environment that lives oh, wow, in 100% right. intensity. Are you wanting names here? We're like name checking people? Well, I mean, we're not saying anything necessarily against yeah, them. Yeah. We're just saying these are intense people. Yeah. Well, okay. there's there's different versions of 100% intensity because you get somebody like, you know, my dad or David Platt who are like yeah. 100% intense, but they're not activistic. You know, they're yeah. just... They're, they're intense. Everything is serious all the time. Yeah. Um, and then you get, but like the activist, hundred percent intense are like the, you sort of wonder how do you not lose your voice kind of thing. Like they're just always loud and on, yeah. and yeah, they're just they're at eleven all the time, and and they take offense at everything, you know. So if you make a joke, they're like, "This is a serious matter," and you're like, "Well, sorry, uh-huh. I on that just landline. think of their spouses 
That's all I ever think about when I see those people. Wait, just, you think about what, Ronald? I always think of their spouses. That's all I ever think about when I see yeah, those Yeah, like what a they drag just, for that. Well, they just never yeah. can turn it off. And maybe yeah. they're different. Maybe their online persona is different. It probably is. But I just always think, oh, man. Yeah. I, I have very strong feelings about people whose online persona dramat- is dramatically different than their in-person persona. I just – I don't think people realize that that's hypocrisy. You know, if, yeah. if, if you are – if you are – if you only care about something online and it never comes up in your everyday life, that's hypocrisy. If you're a jerk online and nice in real life or vice versa, both of yeah. those are like it's just it, it's just a lie. And I don't un- I don't understand it. I don't understand how people just get in the headspace of I'm going to I'm I'm going to live differently in this very public space than I do like with my my family. Yeah, but I mean jerk online not in person uh jerk in person not online is just jerk we would just classify that as jerk <laughs> right i mean that's yeah i mean it's, it's, yeah that's yeah. fair that's fair yeah uh, a jerk is a jerk um but okay pipe but how do you okay so there I, I know you obviously you can't name names when it comes to that but you obviously have some people in mind that you feel like i do have a level of hypocrisy they have online hypocrisy so you are, you're thinking of some people. How do you know that they're like that? Is it because you already have a relationship with them? Yeah, you only know that once you get to know them. If there's somebody I know well, I call them out on it. Not online because that, you know, <laughs> then that's not <laughs> you or them. Well, yeah, then, then I become the jerk. But going to them being like, you wouldn't say that to somebody's face. You know, that's right. not helpful. It, th- those are... Those are necessary conversations. I think everybody needs somebody around them who will read their tweets or their Facebook posts and be like, you wouldn't say that at a dinner table. You wouldn't say yeah. that to someone's face. Like you just, it's because it's a, it, it's sort of a, it's a low risk environment. You know, the flip side of that is when people talk about being brave online, we've talked about this, you know, I've, I've posted about race and some very pointed comments and I've had a few people be like, man, I'm so, so grateful for like your, the courage you have to post. I'm like, it's not courageous. I can mute everybody who says something mean to me. I can literally just make them go away online. There's, there's nothing yeah. courageous about that. It's, uh, if you refuse to post anything online, I think there might be an, an element of fear in there, but it's not brave to do it. I don't That's know. I me just though, man. What's that? I'm not posting anything online. Uh, you're avoiding online, which is probably <laughs> the wisest mental health, emotional yeah. health, spiritual it would health, kill me. familial health decision a person could make. I just haven't made it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing, though, man. For real. Like I, I think different people are called to different things. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's hard boys. It's complicated. And, um, I don't know. Gosh, I had some, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We've done what we always do and that we've wandered to and through to and fro throughout the wreckage of our country and maybe the whole world. And, uh, until next time. The happy rant is brought to you by resonate recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.